Amen. That was good singing. We're going to turn together in God's Word this evening to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew and to the chapter 8. Matthew's Gospel and the chapter 8. We're going to read a section from this chapter commencing at the first verse. And of course, as we come to uh, Matthew chapter 8, uh, the Sermon on the Mount has just concluded. And so we read in verse 1, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thy clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self CMR. Amen. We land there at verse 13. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Let us turn together to the Gospel of Matthew, the chapter 8, portion of Scripture that we have read together. And tonight I would center my thoughts around the verse 12. Matthew chapter 8 and the verse 12. And we read there, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Things 
the Savior said about hell. And that's what I want us to consider together this evening, things the Savior said about hell. Let's just unite together in a brief word of prayer and ask the Lord for help as we come to this solemn subject this evening. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank Thee for the Word of God, that Word that is able to make us wise unto salvation. We pray that even tonight as we would come to briefly consider Thy Word, that it might come with power, might come with the application of God the Holy Spirit. There might be those tonight in this gathering who would come to trust in the only Savior of men, and all that they would be saved from the wrath which is to come. Father, hear our prayer, and shut us in now to thee. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The greatest sermon that was ever preached has just reached its conclusion. And Matthew, from chapter 5 through to the end of chapter 7, he has been sharing with us a little bit about the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. But as we took up our Bible reading in chapter 8 and the verse 1, it tells us that he was come down from the mountain. And Matthew will now share with us something of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's revealed to us in this chapter with a number of miracles. There are three miracles of healing. The opening verses would detail there the healing of the leper. The leper was cleansed by the touch of the Savior. We then have read also about the healing of the centurion's servant. And that servant was healed by simply the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had but to speak the word only. And that servant was healed. There's also in this chapter, although we didn't read that far, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And then the power of the Lord is revealed as he stilled the tempest and as he went on to cast out devils. The almighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text of Scripture, verse 12, it comes in connection with the healing of the centurion's servant. And in particular, the faith of that Roman centurion. And the Lord used this as an opportunity to speak about eternal matters and to speak about eternal destinies. And the Lord makes a comparison here between the Gentiles and the Jews. And he uses the example of the Roman centurion as that Gentile who had faith. He had true, genuine, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in verse 11, using him as the example and commending him for his great faith, the Lord said, And I say unto you, verse 11, that many shall come from the east and west, 
and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And here the Lord in verse 11, he speaks about the kingdom of heaven. And he speaks about those who will come to the kingdom of heaven. And they're going to come from the east and the west. In other words, from one side of the earth to the other side of the earth. Out of every nation and kindred and people and tongues. They're going to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to be in heaven. And they're going to sit down. That speaks of rest. They're going to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be that blessed fellowship with the company of God's people. And there's a picture there in verse 11 of heaven. And in verse 11 he uses that word many. Many shall come from the east and west. And sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Thank God for that multitude. The great multitude which no man can number. The redeemed of the Lord who will be in heaven. But then the contrast here. In our text of scripture in verse 12. It's a very different picture. And the Lord is warning here the unbelieving Jews. And he refers to them as the children of the kingdom. The children of the kingdom because of their birth and because of their background. Oh, they were Jews by birth and Jews by descent. But the Lord shows here in verse 12 that they were unbelieving Jews and they were in danger there of that destiny called hell. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those who were in danger of perishing. And clearly the Savior did not hold back here. He didn't hold back on these important matters. In verse 12, he's referring to hell. There are some pulpits and you'll never hear hell mentioned. There are some ministers and they'll never refer to that place called hell. Charles Spurgeon in his day spoke about a particular minister and he quoted that minister. And the minister said, If you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be sent to that place, which it is not polite to mention by name. And Charles Spurgeon said in response to that, that minister should never be allowed to preach again, unless he will preach in plain and simple language. Oh, we need to bring that solemn message that the Lord himself has brought. Even though today many do not want to hear about hell. The message of the gospel, the message of heaven and hell, it's a profitable message. But people don't want profitable messages. They want palatable messages. They want that which appeals to the flesh and that which will tickle the ears. 
Well, I want this evening, by the grace of the Lord, to speak about hell. And to do so, I want to simply use the Savior's words as to what he himself said about hell. Now, I know tonight that from Genesis through to Revelation, every word is the word of the Lord. But I'm referring to those words that the Lord used when he was upon this earth by way of his ministry, by way of his conversation. The Lord not only made reference to hell, but he spoke very plainly and very vividly in detail about hell. It was not a message that was incidental in the Lord's ministry. It was fundamental in the Lord's ministry. He spoke more about hell than anyone else. This evening, using his words, the words before us in this text and other references in the Gospels as well, I maybe shouldn't say at this stage, but I have five points. Normally, I have only three points. But I have to say tonight that they're five short points, so you'll still be out at the same time. But I want you to come with me tonight just to see solemnly here what the Lord has to say concerning hell. And firstly, the Savior spoke about the darkness of hell. When you look there at our text of Scripture, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. Cast out into outer darkness. The words there, cast out, They carry the thought of being banished. Banished from the presence of the Lord. Those who will hear the words in that great day, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, cast out to be banished from the Lord. The Bible teaches us that God is light, that he dwells in light unapproachable. When the Savior came into this world, he said, I am the light of the world. And to be cast out from the presence of the Lord is to be consigned to that state of darkness, cast out into wider darkness, Outer darkness, that expression only occurs in Matthew's gospel. And it occurs three times in Matthew's gospel. Here in this text of Scripture, Matthew 8 and the verse 12, it's the first occasion outer darkness occurs. And it's a reference to hell, the darkness of hell. Away over in Matthew's Gospel to chapter 22 and to the verse 13. And here it concerns that wedding feast. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when it concerned there that wedding feast and there was found an individual in the wedding feast who had not on the wedding garment, the 
king said, Take him and bind him hand and foot and cast him out into outer darkness. One who was banished into outer darkness. And surely there's the thought there, uh, the spiritual application. That in that great day there are those who will not have on the wedding garment, the garments of salvation. And they're going to be banished from the presence of the Lord. And they're going to be cast out into outer darkness. The third occasion those words appear in Matthew's gospel is chapter 25 and there in the verse 30. And it has to do here with the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25 and 30, the Lord said, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The unprofitable servant again being cast out into outer darkness. And each time the Savior uses this particular expression, it's to speak about the darkness of hell. Savior spoke about that darkness. There are other places, of course, in the Bible that refer to that darkness. That epistle of Jude, just before the revelation, it is only one chapter, and in verse 13 of that chapter, it speaks about that which is reserved. They've reserved the blackness of darkness forever. It's reserved for the ungodly. It's reserved for the wicked. It's interesting the way that the Savior puts it in John chapter 12 and in the verse 35. And the Lord there is speaking about the careless sinner, the one who would sin away their day of opportunity, their day of grace. And in John 12 and the verse 35, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. The Lord, in picturing there the careless sinner, speaks about darkness coming upon them. And the words there to come upon, they have to do with laying hold of or seizing, or overtaking. And it speaks of that individual who's going on in life, and they're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ while they've opportunity to seek the Lord. The light of the gospel is before them, but suddenly the darkness overtakes them, and they're doomed, overtaken, finding themselves in that place enveloped by darkness. That's what the Savior said about hell. He spoke about the darkness of hell. But if you look at our text of Scripture again, he also speaks secondly about the despair of hell. Matthew 8 and the verse 12, and the latter part of that verse, it says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth Weeping and gnashing of teeth. This expression occurs seven times in the New Testament. On six of those occasions, it's in Matthew. Although on two of those occasions, 
It's translated in the authorized version, wailing instead of weeping, but it's the same word. The other occasion is in Luke's gospel. And so the Lord, in referring to this place, and he says there, in that place, there will be weeping and wailing. And that's a very strong word. It refers to a lamentation of deepest sorrow. And therefore, as the Savior refers to this place, the Christ rejectors eternity. He's saying it's a place of the deepest sorrow. It's a place of despair. The gnashing of teeth. Those in hell continually gnash their teeth. Gnashing of teeth is a reference there that relates to physical pain. One who's in physical pain, if that pain is severe, they would come to to gnash their teeth. And it's speaking about a state of extreme anguish or pain. It's unspeakable suffering. There's utter despair. That's how the Savior spoke about this place. It's a place of weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth. In Luke 16, the Lord spoke about one who was in hell. That rich man who went to hell. It says in Luke 16 that he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torments. Torments. That rich man is quoted there as saying, I am tormented. It's a place of despair. That's what the Savior is teaching us. Thirdly, the Savior speaks about the destruction of hell. And over also in Matthew's Gospel, but this time the chapter 10. And in the verse 28, the Lord says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That was the message of the Lord. And he's speaking there about the destruction of hell. One who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And we're brought to think there about hell's fire. uh, The destruction in that place. Fire is so destructive. We referred to that one chapter of Jude. And in that same chapter... And in the seventh verse, where there's reference again uh, to hell, it says in verse 7, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Fire. The destruction of hell. And also in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, and on three occasions there in that chapter, verses 44, 46, and 48, it speaks about a fire. 
It shall not be quenched. The worm dieth not. The fire, the fire is not quenched. I referred a moment or two ago about that rich man in hell. And he said, I'm tormented. I didn't finish what he said. He said, I am tormented in this flame. The fire of hell. The Savior speaks about that to us. Peter also speaks about it like Jude. He uses that similar illustration. And in Second Peter, the chapter 2 and the verse 6, he writes, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly. And Peter, along with Jude, refers to Sodom and Gomorrah with the thought of hell and of judgment in mind. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord poured out fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them and consumed them. That's an example, just an example of that which faces the ungodly and the unconverted soul. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and the verse 7, But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Revelation would also speak about that fire. It refers to the lake of fire. And it says, And whoso was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, the destruction of hell. And if your name is not in the Lamb's book, you're going to face that destruction. Then fourthly, the Savior also speaks about the duration of hell. And of course, there's overlap in all of these verses I've been referring to. Some of the verses we've referred to already will speak about the duration of hell. We read there in Jude just a moment ago about eternal fire. Eternal fire. We referred to the worm that dieth not. It's an undying worm. And the fire that is not quenched, it's an unquenchable fire. In other words, it never ends. The duration of hell is everlasting. We'll not turn to the references tonight, but the words everlasting or eternal, which or the same word in the original, they're used by the Lord in reference to that place called hell. In Matthew 18 and the verse 8, he speaks about everlasting fire. In Matthew 25 and verse 41, he also refers to everlasting fire. In Matthew 25 and the verse 46, the reference is to eternal punishment. Mark 3 and the verse 29, eternal damnation. The word there that goes to describe the duration of hell, everlasting. 
eternal. The same word that is used to speak of the Lord himself. The Lord is eternal. He's from everlasting. He's to everlasting. He's the eternal God, the Lord. The eternal God is our refuge. The Lord is eternal. The Lord's covenant, the same word is used to describe that, the everlasting covenant. The life that the Lord gives, the word is used to describe that life. It's everlasting life. It's eternal life. The same word. The same word that speaks about hell. It's everlasting. You see, these things must stand or fall together. We wouldn't question that the Lord is everlasting. We don't hear too many questioning that the Lord's life is eternal life and heaven is a place that is everlasting. We don't hear that being questioned. But they want to question hell. And is there such a place of everlasting and eternal punishment? Will all of these eternal things stand or fall together? The word of the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us the duration of hell. It is eternal. But then I want to finish tonight. The Savior speaks about the deliverance from hell. And tonight I couldn't preach on hell if I couldn't finish by speaking about deliverance from that place. For thank God that's the good news of the gospel. It would be a terrible thing if all we had by way of our message was a message of hell. Thank God there's a way of escape. Thank God there is a way of salvation. And I use the words of the Lord himself once again in the conversation that he had with Nicodemus. And you'll know it there from John chapter 3, and it's the verse 16. It was the Savior who said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the Savior knew the reason why he came. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He knew the reason why he came into the world. He knew the work that the Father had given him to do. He knew that he had to go the whole way to the cross. And there, when the Savior would suffer, in agony and in torment upon the tree, and he would shed every drop of his own precious blood, and he would lay down his life unto death. It was to save souls from perishing in hell. That's the message of the Savior in John 3 and 16. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Thank God tonight, There's the way of salvation. 
John 3 and the verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There is wrath, there is condemnation. There is the very danger of hell. In fact, in Mark 3 and 29, the Lord spoke of that danger. There are those in danger of eternal damnation, the Lord said. It's a fearful thought. Those who are in danger of eternal damnation. But Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary to save from sin and death and hell. And he endured the punishment that we deserved. He endured our hell for us. He conquered hell upon that tree. The way tonight to be saved from hell is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Romans in chapter 5 and verse 9, we're saved from wrath through him. Through him. That's why the Lord Jesus could say, I am the way the truth and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. Do you hear the words of the Savior tonight? What he had to say about eternal destinies, about heaven and hell. Believe God's truth tonight. Don't believe the devil's lie. The Lord extends that promise he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called upon the Lord for salvation, call upon him tonight. Lay hold. Lay hold upon eternal life. Lay hold upon the hope that is set before us tonight. That hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that hope we have as an anchor for our souls. May God bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. We'll finish.